Welcome, everybody, and we're back. I'm Kat Limeta, and this is Poetry Mania, and today's choice was sent in as a fan favorite. Deep Sea Cables by Joseph Kipling. We're going to read and see how it shrinks to overarching themes throughout the piece. What do I mean by that? Well, here's my very good friend and co-host, Steph, to shine a little more light on this. Thanks, Kat. So I'm Stephanie Felix, if you guys haven't already heard from Kat. Thank you for joining us on today's segment of Poetry Mania. So as a child, my mom used to read uh, The Jungle Book to me, and this was one of Kipling's most famous pieces. Uh, The characters within this tale are phenomenal, and they're all around fun. I will never forget that one time I played King Louis from my middle school play. Can you imagine me singing? I can't sing. I'm sure it sounded like a cow. (laughs) I'm sure you don't sound that bad, Steph. No, that's exactly how I sounded. Anyway, back to Kipling. His works have been used time and time again to show various meanings and themes. Today, let's focus on one of his shorter yet more prominent pieces. But before we move on, I would like to give you guys a little background knowledge on who Kipling was. How do you see that? Are you okay with that? That sounds pretty good to me. I think it's important to know who the author was first. All right, let's get let's get it going. So Kipling was born December 30th of 1865 in Pompeii, India. You know, I want to travel to India one day. That's definitely on my five top five list. Uh, He also had a close relationship with his mother. As do I. He was educated in England. His mother wanted him to get a proper British education and sent him away at the age of six to study with the foster family known as the Holloways. He eventually returned in 1882. Kipling also married his lovely wife, Caroline, and they settled in Vermont. Kipling was eventually a recipient of the 1907 Nobel Prize in Literature, and unfortunately, he died in 1936 from a perforated ulcer. I almost had an ulcer once. Oh, no, that's that must suck. But yeah, it must was, have been terrifying. It was not fun. What? Wow. Anyway, I'm sorry. So now that I have thrown some knowledge on y'all, Kat, will you do the honors of reading the poem to us? Of course. The reading of the poem goes as follows. The wrecks dissolve above us. Their dust drops down from afar. Down to the dark, to the other dark, where the blind white sea snakes are. There is no sound, no echo of sound, in the deserts of the deep. Or the great gray level plains of ooze where the shell bird cables creep. Here in the womb of the world, here on the tie ribs of earth, words and the words of men flicker and flutter and beat. Warning, sorrow and gain, salutation and mirth. For a power troubles us still that has neither voice nor feet. They have wakened the timeless things. They have killed their father time. Joining hands in the gloom, a league from the last of the sun. Hush. Men talk today over the waste of the ultimate slime. And a new word runs between them, whispering, let us be one. Wow. Thank you, Kat. This was just, this really moved me. But you know what? Before we begin to analyze this poem in depth, tell me, how does this poem make you feel? What is your emotional pulse pulse as a reader? Well, it just might be my personality, but this came on to me immediately as something sinister and dark. And let me tell you, Steph, I am totally here for it. It speaks of destruction of things that have been timeless in the past, of means of communication, if you will. I love the way Kipling describes these cables as blind white sea snakes. I actually thought of the basilic from Harry Potter and the way it slithers blindly and freezes people in time if you look at it. 
such a way that apparently these cables have frozen and rather killed Father Time. But let's move away from that, right, of what I feel and dig right into our favorite stuff. What does Kipling mean by this lovely dark poem? Let's break down what in God's name he is talking about. First, let's get into the publishing date. Is it around the 1890s, right? That's correct, Steph? Yes, the early 1890s. I have a source here that says when this poem was first published in 1893 in the English Illustrated Magazine, it was one of seven poems. But why is it that important here? Well, it would explain why it's a little dark towards communication. See, by that time, the idea of instant communication took right off, and people were pretty stoked about contacting someone in real time, if you will. The Deep Sea Cables is an awesome depiction of the electric telegraph. Talk about the transatlantic cable being up and used since 1866. Kipling seems a little salty about how fast communication was changing and what dies from that instant gratification. But here's what throws me off. He finishes it as, let us be one. There is such ambiguity to that one, especially in tone. Is it meant to be a bit satirical towards people that see communication as bringing each other together? Or is he for this unity that stems from these cables? The rest of the poem makes me suspicious of the latter. I mean, it describes a rather dark world, don't you think? Yes, I see what you mean. But let's dive in deeper into the meaning. There has to be more. Explain. Right, right, right. Let's talk about what he means when he writes. Words and the words of men flicker and flutter and beat. Here he's depicting the good old Morse code. Something I wish I knew. Can you imagine learning and knowing Morse code? Huh, wouldn't that be neat? I would probably not be able to communicate at that time. I'm just just not there. I can't. Ugh, I get what you mean. This poem is so important to have been brought up in this day and age. I mean, a good 126 years later, and let me tell you, Kipling was on to something here. Quote, for a power troubles a still that has neither voice nor feet, unquote. No truer words to compare what's going on today with the instant social media and technology. I mean, how often do we even have human interaction, really? Not that often. It is a shame, and I could see what you mean. Isn't it funny how the description in that poem is more relevant in today's time than maybe when he wrote it? I think it's more sad, quite honestly, given force is something that is still and more powerful than humans. Now, the style in which I enunciated the poem is important, too. I believe I gave it a more sinister vibe, which I love to think is the way Kipling wrote it as well. But can you imagine someone like Professor Umbridge reading this poem? Oh, no. Let's not go there. Okay, okay, you're right. She just riles me up. All this poetry talk really has me riled up. Have you heard about that one book called Wired Love, A Romance of Dots and Dashes by any chance? Actually, I've never heard of it. Please feel free to explain to me and our listeners what this book is about. Well, get this. This novel is like Chili's Chips and Salsa meets Guacamole, if you know what I mean. I've never been to Chili's. Let's get back to the poem and its hidden, and its hidden meaning and stay away from Chili's. Straightforwardness, please. All right. All right. So sometimes I get carried away. Anyway, it revolves around similar themes which Kipling touches upon within Deep Sea Cables. For instance, it meets head-to-head with the ideas of the invisible versus the visible, the miscommunication, and the overall evolution of technology and time. See, that's very interesting, and now I'm intrigued. Please tell me more about it. Of course. So without giving much away, I'll try to get into this novel's plot. Before sliding into the DMs was a thing, people had the telegraph. So this is where it gets crazy. Natty was a telegraph operator who essentially falls in love with somebody over the wire. She finds herself enthralled by the idea of an unknown man and his favorable, charming attributes. 
With and without the wire, she finds herself creating new friendships and everlasting memories. It is truly a pleasure to read. For those of you curious, I have provided a link at the bottom of our podcast where one may purchase the novel if they wish. Thanks for that quick summary, Steph. I'm definitely going to look into it now. I strongly suggest that you do. I fell in love with the characters and Ella Thayer's writing style. I highly recommend it. Like, highly. Okay, okay, okay. I get it. I will read it soon. I'm going to hold you to it. Would you look at the time? It's funny how time flies when you're having fun with a little literature, huh? Yes. Thanks for getting lit with us with today's literature, guys. Uh, Tune in next week for Virginia's Wolf take on how to read a book. And And that's Poetry Mania. Mania.